Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 359. Well, we're back camping with God again, and I want to talk to you more about the tent of meeting, what we call the tabernacle, the Mishkan, the place where God said, I am going to meet with you, and I am going to guide you, lead you, speak to you, and I will show you what I want you to do, the way I want you to walk, and everything was done around the tabernacle, the place of worship. You see, God really is interested in ritual, routine, a place to worship. In the last podcast, I talked with you about the Levites and their special place and the age in which they could begin to serve and how God looked at man with a different accountability after age 20. All of that was in preparation for the journey that God had ahead of them. Now, I want to get back to just some things, some basic things about the tabernacle and how important it was. And remember, we're talking talking about the period of the Exodus. And uh, as we go through this journey with God, this drama of the ages that starts at Genesis and goes all the way through the book of Revelation, but we're dealing right now with the Tanakh, the Old Testament, the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings. And the Exodus, the Torah is from the book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. All of those have to do with the journey out of bondage, Egyptian bondage, into the land of Canaan. And it ends up with the book of Deuteronomy. They're not even over there yet. It takes another man, Joshua, to come in and take them over and to conquer the land that they did. They didn't conquer all of it, but they conquered a portion of it, enough of them to set up the nation that God had for them. But let me just talk to you about the tabernacle on how important it is, and a central place of worship. You see, everything about their journey, the children of Israel, out of Egyptian bondage was to get them to Sinai to get them to Mount Horeb. And there God was going to get before them at Sinai his expectations for them as a nation. He gave them a moral code to live by, a ceremonial code to live by. He talked to them about the offerings, the sacrifices, the rituals. All of these were designed to keep them focused on his great faithfulness and promises that he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that he was going to fulfill the promise that he made to Adam, that indeed there would be one that would come one day and crush the serpent's head, the one who had led man into temptation and through the temptation giving into sin and the entire world was plunged in, the human race was plunged into sin and all of the cosmos, the created order, the entire universe failed when Adam failed because man was the apex of God's creation created in his image. And he lost the righteousness and the intimacy with God. He lost his walk with God. And God said, I'll restore that. And so he took all of the rituals and routines, everything he did from that point on to help them to understand the great drama that God was laying out in order to fulfill his 
his promises. And so we're in the Exodus. God brought them to Horeb, and he gave them the moral law, what we call the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, in one chapter. But then he took 25 through 40 of the book of Exodus, what we call chapters 25 through 40, and laid out the Mishkan, the tent of meeting where God said, I'll meet with you. And then the book of Leviticus lays out all the offerings, the ceremonies, the rituals, everything that would be teaching his people that you can't come to God any way you want to, that you cannot just at will live any way you want to and then walk right into the presence of a holy God. So everything about the Mishkan, everything about this tent of meeting, everything about the ceremonies, the rituals, the routines, the sacrifices were to teach the people the way to God and how to live in obedience to Him. Because the Christian life can be summed up truly in the aspect of walking in obedience to God. Of course, we're saved by grace. We walk by grace. Everything's by grace. But the fact is, God saves us in His grace. Grace teaches us obedience. And so, God wanted them to know that everything they do need to be wrapped up in Him. You see, when someone comes to me and says, well, what's it going to cost me to follow Jesus? I tell them without reservation, without any kind of hesitation, it's going to cost you everything you have because it costs Jesus everything he had. He died to pay for you. We are bought with a price. We are bought out of the slave market of sin, brought into the freedom of obedience to God, and he enables us to walk in a way that's pleasing to God by trusting him every moment, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year of our lives. But that doesn't happen unless we build our lives around God himself. Now, what he can do for us, but God himself. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you what to want. He'll give you the desires of your heart. That's what the Word of God says. So what I want to do in this podcast is just center around this Mishkan. You see, when you open up the book of Numbers, in the early chapters, all it is about is God saying to the Levites, you're going to be responsible for setting up the tabernacle, building the tabernacle, disassembling it, and you're going to be the first ones that march. You're going to lead out in front of everybody, and I've got an order that you're going to do that. And the whole camp follows God, because why? God said, I will lead you as a pillar of fire by night, as a cloud by day. If I go a mile, you go a mile. If I go 10 miles, you go 10 miles. Whenever I start, you start. Whenever I stop, you stop. What was he doing? He was teaching the people obedience. There was not a set schedule. It's like David said in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That is a handheld lamp. Those Iron Age lamps you can hold in your hand. What David was saying is your word, which is equated to God's will, that's where we find God's will, Your word, your will, is like a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Those lamps were about the light of a candle. In other words, you could only see to take one step at a time. It's not a mag 
backlight. It's not a Coleman lantern where you can see down the road. No, God says you're going to follow me one step at a time. When you take that step, you'll learn to take the next step and the next step. That's the way God leads us. Rarely does God lay out his whole plan for our lives. If he did, then it would probably frighten us and scare us to death. God knows best, and so he leads us one step at a time. That's what he did with the children of Israel. He would say, you Levites, you Levites follow this cloud, you follow this pillar of fire, and when I sit down, I stop, you stop, when I go, you go. And so when they got to the place where God wanted them to be for a day, a week, for ever how long it was, a month, that was up to God, not to the individuals, not to the Levites, not even to Moses and the high priest Aaron but rather to God. They followed him. He was in control. And when they went to the place where God wanted them to be and the glory cloud stopped, then that's where they would set up the tabernacle. And God said, you can't just set it up any way you want to. This is the way you set it up. And he gives them directions down to the detail about how to do this. Why? Because this was going to have to be done one step at a time. And God directs us one step at a time. So they set up the tabernacle. It was in the middle middle of the entire camp. It was the center of everything. All of the camp was set down and built around the tabernacle. It was the center of it. Certain tribes were on the east, certain on the west, certain on the south, certain on the north. And the Levites, the people of God that were serving the others, they were right around and camped around the tabernacle itself. God had an order. It was every time that way. It wasn't any way that you wanted to do it. It couldn't be that this tribe got preference over that tribe. God said, this is the order that I've set down. So it was the center of their existence. In other words, the place of worship was central in the life of the people of God. It was central in the individual's life. That is how they moved and had their being. That is where they set up their tent. That's where they operated from. That's where they did everything from where? Around the centrality of their walk with God, the person of God himself, the Mishkan, the center of worship. Why is God going into all these details? He's doing that to try to teach us that he wants to be central in our lives, not an appendix, not an addendum, not some add-on or upgrade. He wants to be the center of our lives. And so the people, every day they got up and saw if the pillar of fire was still there, if the cloud was there, then they knew that God was with them. But when the cloud began to move, they knew that the Levites were going to start tearing the central worship center down, disassembling it, and then they would go on the journey. Why? Because God was leading them. You see, they didn't have to worry about where they were going because God was leading them, and God knows the end from the beginning. This gives great peace, and it gave great peace to them, those who trusted his leadership. Those who did not, of course, they got in trouble on a regular basis, and everything you remember, God had all kinds of tests for these people, and they failed the test over and over and over again, so that only two out of the entire group that came out of Egyptian bondage, only two went in to the promised land, Joshua and Caleb. And so it was a refiner's fire that God was at times, not just a guiding light, but he was a refiner's fire. But I want you to see that everything was built around 
the Central Worship Center. Now, what does that tell us for our lives? Let's get down to where the shoe leather meets the road. What's God saying to us? If indeed these things were written as examples to us, if indeed, as God says, that it is his dealings with the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, that we get instruction on how we are to please God, to be warned where we don't need to disobey as they disobey, then we need to understand that worship needs to be central in our lives. God needs to be central in our lives. Whatever we do, He is to be first. He is to be first in our giving. When we earn money, we give Him the best, the first fruits, everything. He gets, it's all His, but He asks us to give Him the very best as an offering. What's that for? That's a reminder that He has given us everything, and we are acknowledging that by giving the best back to him. Then there is that sense of saying, thank you. After all, if God's given us everything we have, then we give back to him just to say thank you. And uh, people often get tied up with 10%. 10% is the very least under the law that you would give a tithe, a tenth. Sometimes there were two tithes, three tithes. Why? Because God owns it all. And when we want to say thank you in a big way and he's done something, then 10% is just the starting place. I mean, anybody should be doing that. And so all to say, he wants the first fruits. He wants the first fruits of our life, the first fruit of our day, the first fruit of our strength. He wants everything about us to be centered around him. And by the way, that's the only way that it works. We always get in trouble when we add God on as a crutch or as some fetch him that some cosmic bellboy that we're saying, go, would you get this? Would you heal me? Would you, would you get this from me? Would you do this for me? God's not some bellboy that is there for us. We are to find out what God wants, center our life around Him, look to the place where His presence is. And this is why it's important over and over again that we meet together. There's no such thing in the Bible as some Lone Ranger follower of Jesus, as a God follower that's out here on their own. No, we were made for community, and nobody that can worship with others and has the opportunity to worship with others, if they don't worship with others, can be where they need to be with God and all they need to be because no one is that strong on their own. I often have people say to me, well, I love Jesus. I just don't love the church. Well, then you don't love his bride. Now, that's a serious thing. Why don't you love his bride? Because there's imperfect people there like you. You don't love the bride because somebody hurts you. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like a teenager, a 13, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old kid, that a boy that lost his girlfriend and she hurt him and betrayed him, so therefore he's not going to have anything to do with girls anymore. You know what an older, wiser person would say? That's silly. Oh, you'll grow out of that. Well, we pray to God that people will grow out of that because there's no perfect church. And anytime you find a body, you're going to find all kinds of disease and you're going to find people that are not where they need to be. But after all, that's why we need to gather together. We need to stir up one another under righteous living and godliness and obedience. And this is what the Mishkan was all about. This is what the tent of meeting was all about. People were all on the same page. That doesn't mean they all looked alike, were from the same family, same tribe. Every, no, no, no. But it means that they all had the same goal, and that was to follow God.
because he was the only one that knew the way through the wilderness. He was the only one that could, by his power, bring them to the place of their destiny, the land of Canaan. And so the Mishkan had a purpose. It was to put God at the center of everything and to teach a people who had been in bondage for 400 years how to live in freedom, how to live as the people of God. That's what you do when you come to the place in your life and in my life. This is what happens in our lives when God is the center of our existence. Well, I hope this is encouraging to you as you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.